0: Hello and welcome to Sex Ed for Sex Med, a podcast produced by the Ohio Sexual Health Collaborative for medical providers caring for women. However, women experiencing sexual difficulties who perceive a lower quality of life, do not feel like themselves, or are looking to increase their knowledge of sexual health are also encouraged to listen. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Gibbs, and together with my rotating medical experts, We'll be providing evidence-based fundamental and advanced concepts for evaluating, educating, and empowering women with sexual concerns. We'll be addressing physical, mental, and sexual health wellness, as all these aspects are important to enjoying a healthy sexual life. Today, we'll be talking with Dr. Alicia Bruhl. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist in the Pelvic Health Clinic in Toledo, Ohio we'll be talking about sexual pain as it relates to obstetrical injury. Please enjoy this discussion. Today we have Dr. Alicia Bruhl. We're gonna talk about sexual pain as it relates to obstetrical perineal injury, something that I don't think a lot of our learners really are taught in their training and, and really has drastic impact on sexual pain, that something we've been talking now about in the last several podcasts, but I'm really thankful for Dr. Bruhl's taking time out to talk to us and welcome Dr. Brule.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. This has been something I've been really looking forward to. I think it's amazing that you're doing this and shedding light on this topic. It's something that I'm, as you know, extremely passionate about And I think it's very important for learners, anybody in the obstetric field, to have a good knowledge base about. Please start off
0: with just explaining what's called OASIS and the effects on people's quality of life.
1: Sure. So OASIS is obstetric anal sphincter injuries. And there's about a 5% incidence rate in the United States. And it includes third degree perineal lacerations, which extends through pelvic floor muscles, including the external anal sphincter and fourth degree oasis or fourth degree perineal lacerations, extend through the pelvic floor muscles, the external anal sphincter and the rectal mucosa. So this is a significant injury and can greatly affect a woman's quality of life in so many different ways. Just starting with the physical sequelae of this injury, such as it often leads to a lot of what we call pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms, such as urinary incontinence and urgency and fecal incontinence and urgency, pelvic organ prolapse and dyspareunia, which is pain within our course. And something I, I think we're going to focus on today. These women have 270% increased risk for dyspareunia postpartum than those who otherwise do not experience oasis. They also have the risk for postpartum depression. So certainly their mental and emotional health is a big consideration and why I screen all of my postpartum women for postpartum depression using the Edinburgh postpartum depression scale, which is a widely used screen in obstetrics. But it's certainly something that I'm I pay special attention. attention and discuss regularly and follow up regularly with these women with Oasis about a lot of these women experience what we call birth trauma. And actually, if you say, well, how did your delivery go? They will use the word it was traumatic and they have Oftentimes, unfortunately, very little knowledge about their injury. And it's just kind of something they're scared or fearful about. And so, educating them on their injury is hugely important and something that has been shown in the research to be very beneficial in helping them cope and adjust to and recover from their injury. So, the impact on their quality of life is great. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, If a woman experiences that kind of trauma to muscles. If you think of of damage to muscles in any other area of the body or an area where a larger traumatic injury occurs, there can be scar tissue involved. And that also contributes to decreased mobility and an ability for those muscles to be well-coordinated. So contract, relax, and lengthen the way they should for normal bowel, bladder, and sexual function, which is why they have those pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms. So all of these things are what we would evaluate as pelvic floor physical therapists that are familiar with these types of injuries and address personally and with referral to our colleagues.
0: Those are very enlightening statistics. Talk a little bit more about the the effect of this on sexual pain is that is our real focus today. You know, how does this affect sexual pain?
1: So women, like I said, with Oasis have 270% increased risk for dyspareunia. However, we must also look at the long-term statistics at 12 months postpartum, which I, I just find the statistics staggering over 50% of women who experience Oasis are still experiencing dyspareunia. So that's something that we really need to follow up with these women And give them some guidance as their healthcare professionals and definitely know about your resources like pelvic floor physical therapy that can help them with this. As far as sexual pain, sexual health in general, there's studies that have looked at sexual health using the female sexual function index. And that is a scale that, that just generally asks women about sexual pain, their satisfaction with sexual, their sexual functioning. And what it shows is that that's often very much associated with urinary incontinence. And these women uh, with OASIS have a higher incidence rate of urinary incontinence. It's so addressing, looking at this woman as a whole is so important, again, with the emotional and mental aspects of this, we definitely want to refer back to their provider for medical management, whether that's medications or counseling, so that we're really approaching sexual pain in this population as a
0: team. As an obstetrician myself, I'm very aware of the American College of OBGYN's bulletin on these injuries and that bulletin goes over a lot about how to avoid these injuries, but if you do run into them, how to repair them and whatnot, but, but it does not speak at all to the role of physical therapy in, in helping people get through and get over th- these injuries. Tell, tell me a little bit, how did this physical therapy of the, the public floor, tell us a little bit about how it developed and the evidence that it works. Tell us a little bit about your credentials and and how you got here.
1: Sure. I'm just going to start with the evidence. There is certainly evidence to support pelvic floor physical therapy for treatment of pelvic floor dysfunction, including dyspareunia, but specifically with OASIS. The research shows that if women are referred on average within six weeks following their injury, that the reduction in all pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms, including, you know, fecal urgency and incontinence and dyspareunia, all of those factors significantly reduce. So there's that evidence. Also, there's a growing number of multidisciplinary teams across the country. One is very close to us at University of Michigan that has been present since 2007, and their multidisciplinary team includes a team of pelvic floor physical therapists to help these women. And they play a a large role in the treatment and effective care of these women. And they have a lot of evidence out there to support the effectiveness of their program. So the research is out there. Certainly, we always want more research. But as far as my credentials go, as a physical therapist, I have a clinical doctorate in physical therapy. And I've been trained, received a lot of training in the specific area of pelvic floor physical therapy. And furthermore, there are some pelvic floor physical therapists that can even further specialize in the area of obstetrics. So I've received, you know, over a hundred hours, additional training in this specific area.
0: That's tremendous. The uh, bulletin talked also about occult injuries. And, you know, where, where the person has an injury to the muscle, but at the time of delivery, there wasn't a big laceration or there wasn't a big repair, but people have these occult injuries. Do you see that much?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say a lot, but this is a great example of why it's so helpful to have a pelvic floor physical therapist on your team that continuously Provides internal evaluations. So we perform internal vaginal pelvic floor musculature and internal rectal pelvic floor musculature examinations at their initial evaluation. And oftentimes, at um, most subsequent visits, which is typically weekly with these patients. And certainly with an experienced pelvic floor PT, knowing that they've had some birth trauma in particular, we can often palpate that there's lack of activation of a certain muscle at all. So there's no palpable activation. We can feel that just there's a significant drop off or lack of tone in a particular muscle. So if we think a patient is showing signs and symptoms of, for instance, a levator, ani, occult injury, or avulsion. that is something that we could palpate and certainly see that it's affecting their function and refer back to the provider that had initially referred us to for further medical assessment and treatment if needed.
0: It's obvious from that discussion that It's incumbent and very important for uh, people taking care of the postpartum patient to ask the question and see if there's any dysfunction, even though there wasn't a big laceration. So we can make that referral. Isn't that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think you'll find, and maybe you can speak to this as an obstetrician with a lot of years of experience and women with OASIS during the first six weeks postpartum, there are certain things that you may attribute to just more healing time needs to happen. Right. And the amazing thing is, is that's often when I'm starting my care is after your six week follow-up. And so these are the things that your physical therapist, your pelvic floor physical therapist on your team can communicate with you. And that can continuously evaluate and work together with you to determine, okay, what is going on with these patients and how are they continuing to heal? And after that suspected healing time is over, certainly after 12 weeks, how are their symptoms? Are they continuing to have fecal urgency and incontinence? Are they continuing to have dyspareunia, which like we Mm -hmm. stated, you know, over 50% of women at 12 months, one year is still experiencing dyspareunia. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's hugely beneficial to screen these women for these things and help them with their sexual health in general. And certainly their sexual pain in this population as it's unfortunately prevalent.
0: You talked about your evaluation. Let's, let's get into that. Sure. So I have a patient comes in, there's some urgency, there's some problems with sexual dysfunction. And I send her to you. Well, how does the evaluation start? What do you do?
1: Yeah. So my first thing I do with every patient is show them a female pelvis and their pelvic floor muscles on a model and teach them about their bodies. Because a lot of women are just very unfamiliar with this area. We don't receive a lot of education in general, even as medical providers. I must say I've had midwives as patients that I still do this with, you know, and I think it's very important and something that they value. And especially when you have an injury and a lot of pain in an area that you haven't looked at because you're terrified to see the extent of your injury, then heightened fear can be associated with that. So I teach them about their bodies. That's the first thing that I do. And in relation to that, I tell them what normal function is is that your pelvic floor muscles play a huge role in supporting your pelvic organs as they form that bowl and support underneath the pelvis. They also wrap around the urethra, the vagina and the rectum. And so they need to be well-coordinated and they can be trained like any other skeletal muscle to contract so that you don't pass gas when you're trying to have intercourse (laughs) or at any other time that you wouldn't want to pass gas. Or hold your urine. So, talk about that in, urinary incontinence again in association with sexual health. So, those muscles need to be able to contract, but just as important, they need to be able to relax. And that's oftentimes the challenge and, and an issue associated with sexual pain is that these muscles have difficulty relaxing. So especially in the area of of Oasis, they might have low muscle tone in, in general because there's been damage to those muscles. So there's a lot of weakness involved there. However, if you are unfamiliar, but know you had a large injury in your perineum and you are too afraid to even look at your own body And then your partner tries to penetrate you, you are going to contract and guard those muscles. So even a lot of it is just helping them, teaching them about their body, teaching them the extent of their injury on the front end of their evaluation. So we're, we're treating them all along this time of this evaluation and helping them as far as that anticipatory muscle guarding goes to relax those muscles. So that's the first part of the evaluation is teaching them a lot about what the pelvic floor muscles do and should do about their bodies. And then we get into asking a lot of questions, very, very detailed questions about their bowel bladder and sexual function. So included in their sexual function questionnaire is, are you able to lubricate naturally? A lot of postpartum women with the reduction in estrogen, especially associated with breastfeeding have a lot of vaginal dryness. And these women may have never needed to use a lubricant before and didn't even think about it. So educating on, on that. Another question that we may ask is, are they having pain associated with intercourse? So whether that pains with initial penetration, deeper penetration, so we can get a good, at better idea as far as like where in their vulva or their pelvic floor muscles, are they experiencing an issue? So a lot of questions asked as a part of the evaluation, then how we assess the pelvic floor physically is we take a look at the pelvic floor externally and have them see how well coordinated are those muscles. Can they contract? How do they respond when they cough? Can they bear down? How well are those muscles relaxing? We look for laxity in the anterior and posterior vaginal wall that's associated with pelvic organ prolapse. In this population with Oasis, we certainly look at their perineal laceration. And if I see any evidence of granulation tissue or poor healing, I am not proceeding with the internal vaginal examination, but certainly calling their referring provider and making sure they're aware of it. And we get that addressed first as a priority. So as far as the scar goes, how mobile is it? How tender is it? These women can have a lot of hypersensitivity of those nerves around their vestibule we do the Q tip test that Dr. Wall has talked about it good length and explanation in her podcast with you so we repeat that and then as far as the internal muscle examination we're looking at all three layers of the pelvic floor there's a superficial layer that's about at the depth of your first knuckle, a middle layer, and then a deeper layer. And we're touching on all those muscles on either side, looking for tenderness, looking for tone, like you mentioned, and an activation, those ability of those muscles to contract and of course, relax and their tenderness rating on a scale of, of zero to 10 in all of those areas. So that's just a general more specific evaluation description that we would do for somebody with Oasis.
0: Pretty extensive. Once you have that evaluation, you have a fair idea of what muscles are affected, what the extent of the injury is and and its effect,
1: you
0: you go into a treatment mode, but tell us about that and, and the success rates associated with that.
1: Yeah, so certainly. There's a lot of good evidence to support that pelvic floor physical therapists should be a primary resource in the treatment of pelvic floor dysfunction, which includes dyspareunia. And like I said, an earlier referral is very helpful within the average of six weeks. So when we are treating these patients, we are certainly considering this person as a whole person. So making those referrals as needed to back to their provider or to counseling, we certainly want to address the coordination issues of those muscles and teaching them how those muscles should function. And so part of that is just what I call a general awareness of the pelvic floor. You know, that's the term that I use with patients, but it's that big word as medical professionals that we might know as proprioception. So that mind body connection that can be disrupted with any musculoskeletal injury. So there's that lack of connection, which affects control, how I explain this big word proprioception to patients is, if I were to say, Hey, Dr. Gibbs, what's your left foot doing without even looking at it, you know, where exactly it is in space, you know, how it's in your shoe, the more you think about it, the more it becomes super irritating, because you have such good awareness of it. And so if I were to tell you to wiggle your toes or move it to any place in the room without even looking at it again, you could do that because there's that mind-body connection. Women, especially with an injury, lack that connection. And so for me to tell them to relax or to just tell your patients in the office with their dysprunia to just relax is very ineffective. So we need to work on getting that mind-body connection back. Part of that is showing them their perineum. And it's also very helpful with that fear of what the trauma has been done to their body. We show them their pelvic floor in a mirror. And so they can visualize what that area looks like. And also see that, that, Hey, surprisingly it's, it's healing well. And it doesn't look nearly as bad as I thought it was. It actually looks, looks pretty good. And that's often a relief to patients, but also our pelvic floor at rest should function well with our diaphragm and how we breathe. And so most often women who are postpartum need help with breathing with their diaphragm again, because if you can imagine at 34 weeks pregnant, their breathing becomes a lot more chest dominant and they're no longer as much breathing with their diaphragm. So teaching them how to breathe with their diaphragm again, and then relating that to feeling the pelvic floor. And so when we inhale, okay, our, our diaphragm descends, and so should our pelvic floor. And you can actually feel that if you pay attention to it. And when you exhale, it just kind of floats back up in response to that, to that change in air pressure and the position of our diaphragm. And just teaching that to women, allowing them to feel that gives them greater control. And it's a tool that they use when they return to intercourse with their partner is that they're not sucking in or holding their breath in response to fear, or just not knowing what to do or what to expect, but to take those nice deep diaphragmatic breaths, feeling their pelvic floor rising and falling And if they're able to feel that, that's a good indicator to them that they are relaxing those muscles and it can help significantly with pain. So that's a long winded answer to a small part of what we do. But I always say that's foundational because if you can feel your pelvic floor, if you know what it looks like, if you know how those muscles function, if you empower women about their bodies, then they can have so much greater control especially with these women that just feel damaged oftentimes after their delivery. So that's a really cool part of, of what we do. And certainly right away, if there's good tissue healing, we want to start on mobilizing that scar, having the patient do that themselves. So gentle scar tissue mobility externally is normally where I start and then actually doing some internal scar massage. So on those deeper muscles that are impaired and oftentimes that hypersensitivity significantly reduces just with that gentle palpation or touch to that scar and mobilizing that area. So doing that at home and again, like I said, doing that during their treatments and again, teaching that patient how to do that at home is really, really effective and helpful for those patients and their sexual pain.
0: Well, I really appreciate the very enthusiastic explanation and, and bringing our awareness of this not uncommon problem in, in people who've had babies. Uh, you know, and, and now that you know so much more aware of, of these issues and what you do, I, I want you to, to bring it home and just say, okay, t- tell the people who are taking care of, of women, whether it actually be they're the obstetrician or not, you are seeing a woman that's just had a baby. What would you tell providers to, to say to women to, to try and connect with them to find out if there's issues that need to be taken care of by you?
1: Absolutely. First of all, if, if you're listening to this, you're doing a great first step is just being aware of your resources. Pelvic floor PT is a growing Vastly growing profession. And like I said, patients, the general population, these women are learning about it as a resource. So a lot of them are advocating for themselves and asking for this treatment. So uh, hopefully I've given you enough information for you to at least continue to look more in detail about this for your patients. But what I would just encourage you to do is to find out your local resources, because even though it's a growing profession, we are still limited in number. And there's an awesome resource online. It's called PelvicRehab.com. And you can literally put your zip code in and find a pelvic floor PT with similar training as myself that will do and should be knowledgeable to do the internal exams, like I've described. So find your people and also talk to them about, again, what all education they've had and who and how they treat, but also sending them early. So women with OASIS please put that referral in, in the hospital. All these women need pelvic floor PT. All of these women do you unfortunately limited by your system or, or whatever, you know, are only able to reassess them or, or evaluate them at that six week period follow up and not beyond. At that point, these women (laughs) haven't returned to intercourse. The, The research shows they certainly haven't returned to intercourse with this population or exercise or their regular activities. And they may have had the most support they're going to get up until that point with family and paternity leaves. And so sending them to physical therapy, giving them that referral in the hospital so that they can follow up with a provider within that six week average that has shown to be most helpful for these patients. So know your resources. Fortunately, if especially if you're in rural areas, there might not be a pelvic floor physical therapist. A lot of women, again, another benefit of the the pandemic is that they have u- utilized virtual visits, online care. That's not ideal, but if that's the only option that they have or that you have in your area, please don't limit your referral to this very valuable resource for these women because of lack of accessibility. I will tell you, women will travel an hour, an hour and a half to our clinic for this. So they will make it work if they know how valuable that is. So know your resources and get these women to pelvic floor and get them there early.
0: And and I think the real obvious thing, which you didn't actually say, but something, a recurring theme we've seen in this discussion about sexual pain is to ask. Absolutely. You have to ask the patient. So, well, thank you for, for your time today. Just thank you for your enthusiasm and giving the understanding that you've given us f- about this fairly frequent problem. So thank you again. And any last comments you want to make, Any anything, any big pleas, any big take-home messages you want to leave us with?
1: Oasis is not very prevalent, but you must refer them to pelvic floor physical therapy. And get them there as early as possible, because even if they're not complaining of symptoms now, the research shows that they will experience them later.
0: Very good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sex Ed for Sex Med. Please find the articles used in today's discussion in the show notes for further study. Also, you will find the contact information for our expert today.